Welcome to Pickle Me This, the officially unofficial podcast for Rick and Morty on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm Aaron. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we're talking about the season one finale, Rixie Business. Here's Aaron with the recap. Beth and Jerry leave for the weekend to indulge in Jerry's titanic fantasies and leave Grandpa Rick alone with the two kids. An intergalactic rager ensues, complicated by the fact that Morty accidentally sends the entire house to a strange alien world. Will Rick, Morty, and Summer get the house back to Earth in time to keep Beth and Jerry from discovering the chaos they've wrought? Will Jerry be able to avoid the rapacious grasp of a deluded theme park worker? Find out in the first half of the season-ending quasi-cliffhanger of Rick and Morty. Jim, season finale, Rixie Business. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I think it's a great way to wind down a season. Just, you know, do what takes Rick's advice. Just relax. Maybe snort a little Colexian uh, crystals. And I think all is good. All is good with season one. It's a good cap. I liked it. Yeah, I I know that they're, I guess historically, because I joined this show in season two. Uh, I wasn't one of the few, well, I guess not few, there's millions, millions of them. Uh, the lucky lucky millions that were in on it from day one. Uh, so I, I didn't get to indulge in this kind of like conversation, but I guess there's a lot of uh, potential butthurt, or at least as alluded to in some of the commentaries about the fact that uh, you had last episode which mm-hmm. you know debuted the council of ricks and evil morty and like all this like gr- awesome grandiose episodic you know uh, cliffhanger and then you go to essentially a house party mm-hmm. that's also a cliffhanger but it, it was designed that it could all it, it, i don't think there was any expectation that you would rejoin season two right like, like they, they kind of made this into a cliffhanger out of nothing mm-hmm. um yeah I, I would not really call this a cliffhanger like yeah. if you wanted to end the series here and it didn't get picked up again, I think this is a fine way to go out. Right, right. Because, you know, it's it's reasonable to infer that Rick will, you know, yeah. fix things and everything's going to go back to normal. Uh, so, and and that's, you know, I, I think that that's something that they kind of owned. You know, it's like, well, you know, and we, we've praised how they've paced the episodes up to this point. Um, mm-hmm. And also, when you're just binging the season, you're just watching it on, you know, Hulu or Adult Swim's constant 24-7 marathon of Rick and Morty. This is a non-issue. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think it's uh, I think it's, it's it's pretty fun. Burnt burnt right through me like oxidizing laser eels in a garage. Yeah, I, I mean, it does it does feel a little bit like they're sort of unsure what Rick and Morty is going to be in the future. Whether, you know, I, I don't know if it had been renewed at this time or if it, you know. Those negotiations were still up in the air, um, and it, it feels like they just didn't know how much continuity they wanted to have, and you really would put a stamp on the season by going out with closer encounters of the Rick kind, mm-hmm. uh, whereas I felt like this is almost a way to sort of hedge your bets mm. and say, maybe we'll do a lot more of that stuff, but maybe we'll just have fun. Yeah. Well, so. we, we've seen other shows that like sometimes pivot, like uh, a famous example is this series Justified, which I love. Yeah, yeah. Season one is very much X-Files, you know, mobster of the week, railing, mm-hmm. dis, you know, going and dispensing justice to those. And then in season two, they pivoted to more of, uh, you know, stuff that that spans entire seasons and, you know, it's a consistent right. storylines. Episodic is what I'm trying to get at. Uh, so, yeah, that might be a good way to kind of like, you know, s- 
lead off on a base but still keep your foot on it you know right right. hey yeah there's going to be some fun questions raised but it's not ever not every episode is going to uh hinge on what's latest with evil morty and evil rick and the council of ricks and Mm -hmm. honestly thank god because that you know i don't know how much strain you want to put on those particular plot points are really fun um and they're fun because they are open-ended they ask a lot of questions and uh, you know when you start answering those questions in any mystery box situation that's when <laughs> the show starts closing in on itself and right i continue to watch enjoy watching rick and morty expand and for a show that seems like it is uh fraught with herculean efforts of writing yeah just trying to get this show created seemed like a hard thing to do if you also add that sort of serialization to it where everything has to reconnect in on itself Mm -hmm. and can can you imagine how much dan would obsess about that oh yeah like you if you could never just relax and have fun like this episode does they drive themselves insane yeah and it would also it seems like it would be unsatisfying for justin too who likes to be able to color outside the lines oh yeah so having a healthy balance of both is probably going to be a uh, long-term benefit to Rick and Morty fans everywhere. Mm-hmm. The thing is, this is a house party episode with a B plot of domestic trend, um, uh, quasi domestic tranquility. How to of uh, Rick and or I'm sorry, Beth and Jerry. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. You, well, so, what do you want to talk uh, about I, first? I, I feel like you're raring to talk about Beth and uh, Jerry. Yeah, because I kind of think Beth is shitty in this episode. I mean, like, she's J- got Jerry... a reason. She's got she's got this whole season. She's had one <laughs> foot out the door of this relationship. But but yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I, I'm not going to argue too much that you know Beth is even close to the worst person on the show. But in this episode, like they go on this Titanic themed getaway that Jerry is clearly jazzed about. He is absolutely looking forward to this. This jam. And they get there, and Beth just fucks off, and. And I don't even understand at this point, like, it, it's so shitty for Beth not to at least, if she's going to go on this trip with him, not to at least try to enjoy it. Instead, she gets there and she shits all over it. It's, I mean, th- th- these storylines are sort of parallel in that, in which, you know, Morty and Beth are sort of the characters who are not on board with any of this shit. Uh, Morty's the party pooper, and Beth is also a party pooper. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I just felt like it was kind of shitty, and I, I didn't... I guess when Beth says, hey, do you see me putting in work here? This is not a shining example of that. Yeah, this is her blazing on the job. It does seem like an ethical person, because, you know, ethical people can can break up and they can, you know, leave relationships. Like, the, an ethical decision would be, you know what, uh, the, the kids are what they are. They're getting older. Uh, I don't love Jerry. Uh, Jerry's a mess. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. I'm going to make this a clean break. Uh, so you, you can either do that or you can like say like, you know what, Jerry, this is your deal. Why don't you find one of your friends online? I'm sure you've got a few that are into Titanic <laughs> and do that. Um, or, or not go or go and, you know, go be all in because it is, yeah. it is really shitty, uh, to, to, to do that to a person. I actually thought I was kind of pulling for Jerry mm-hmm. because Jerry's the type of person that, um, you know, he goes on this thing, his wife kind of uh, shits on it the whole time, and he finds a, a friend and, you know, is not bitter and resentful by the fact that, you know, some or Beth doesn't want to be in on this. He's just happy that he found someone that, that is. And then 
You know, poor Jerry, he winds up into a fucking insane situation. He sure where does. he almost gets himself raped at gunpoint. And, and uh, you get the impression that it's not the first time this has happened. Like, oh, I mean, there's the story about the Slavic man, which clearly is very close to home. What does a rapist look like, Jim? Uh, <laughs> and and it harkens back. A lot of these jokes, they sort of use time and again in this show because it harkens back to Summer in Anatomy Park when when Summer's boyfriend mm-hmm. is describing. Sure. Uh, you know some weird thing that happened in the bush mm-hmm. uh very similar vibes no i mean yeah it's like um and i it's one of the reasons honestly i love this show because it's like a show that deals with the reality that we are told statistically like you know it's always like oh one out of four women are going to be sexually assaulted in their lifetime and i think the statistic for boys is like one out of seven mm-hmm. so the reality is we got a lot of people that are walking around here with trauma and and you know it kind of changes how i feel about jerry that he might be like maybe he's so indecisive and yeah. Uh, kind of go with the flow because that's uh, some kind of survival mechanism he's picked up. Um, still doesn't. I mean, you know, uh, damaged and traumatized people are not the easiest ones to deal with, which is why we should damage and traumatize people and help them to get help when they are, uh, so they can rejoin society as healthy adults. But having said all that, uh, yeah, that I t- typically in these episodes I've been sympathetic towards Beth and kind of antagonistic towards Jerry, and yeah. this did flip the dynamic, which is good because like. Speaking of the show's dynamic, it would probably be unhealthy for Jerry to just completely devolve into everyone's whipping boy, have no redeeming moments, sure. uh, et cetera. Yeah, definitely. And, and you see Jerry redeeming himself in in certain moments um, where he saves Beth. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of like a reversal of that as well. They're mm-hmm. switching up that dynamic where Beth comes in and saves Jerry. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of role reversal here and it's, I I guess, interesting to watch. I I, I talked to a therapist and he said, um, typically the worst kind of split and division of responsibility for why a relationship is shitty is like 45, 55. Like it's almost always evenly split. Everyone's bringing, and I mean, I know that's not for absent physical abuse, emotional abuse. Like if you're just kind of in a bad shitty marriage, usually both people are roughly equally to blame because, you know, there's ways you can de-escalate. There's ways that you can, you know, take a step back and, you know, act act more like adults. Um, it's, you know, people, we don't, we don't teach, we don't teach that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. um, I, 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 I like the fact that they're not allowing us to just, you know, root for Beth and shit on Jerry, uh, that they add a little things of like, okay, well, you know, maybe if she had tried harder, maybe... If, you know, Jerry had been more if Jerry be more present in, in real life the way he is in this fantasy thing, like uh-huh. there's there's always yeah. lessons you can take from it. Um, and then this this episode has or this half the episode has maybe my favorite moment, which is just seeing Jerry's drawing of this woman. <laughs> so fucking... I haven't captured your sexy eyes. Uh, did you know that down in Pigeon Forge this exists? Like I don't, I don't know if it actually rams a foam rubber iceberg, but there is a full size Titanic that you can walk and tour, and I do believe it's in water, and I think there is an iceberg right ahead. And wow, uh, I need to check that out. I don't know if they knew that, but yeah, like Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg and all these like you know kind of uh, establishments in the mountains. Uh, they they got some weird shit, man. They do. They got yeah. some weird shit. Weird kitschy shit. Dolly Parton has a theme park. She has it, several. It's a weird place. She has, there's, there's, uh, you know, redneck dinner theater. 
Yeah. Uh, Dolly Parton has a like a horse riding. Like it's like medieval times only yeehaw. Okay. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Yeah. So uh, there 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 you go. Uh, all you can drink iced tea. How about the other half of this one? The uh, the big rager, the interdimensional rager. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of elements I found really fun. It's interesting to see like the type of people that Rick would in, uh, to invite to a party. You know, the squanchy character, which is like, uh, I don't know, a take on all those like little animal sidekicks that He-Man and the uh-huh. Thundercats would have where every verb is their essential name. Uh, and it's great. It's it's like one of those guys only maybe he got in the meth after He-Man was canceled <laughs> and he likes his autoerotic asphyxiation, but he's a party mm-hmm. animal. So we're going to do not call squanchy. Nah, you gotta call Squanchy. You're not gonna be able to get your Squanch on if you don't have Squanchy. <laughs> uh, I love like Slow Mobius. I love uh-huh. Birdman because uh, I grew up watching a lot of uh, um, Buck Rogers, and this bird person is literally the hawk from oh, Bu- wow. Buck Rogers. Uh, it, and and that's a lot of fun. And how yeah, I just man like. When Rick and him have that conversation about, like, when's the last time you got your beak wet? And he's like, it's been a challenging mating season for Birdman. Mm-hmm. I just love that delivery. I love the, <laughs> the sci-fi mashup with just, like, you know, uh, 30-something kind of uh, relational tr- troubles. It's it's great. It's great. It is, yeah. Uh, and one of my favorite moments from this half is when... Uh, Rick coerces Morty and and the undesirables, I guess, of the party to mm-hmm. leave Nancy, and, yeah. and go find these crystals. Uh-huh. And it's revealed that Morty has just been bamboozled uh-huh. into getting Rick his drugs. Right. That's, uh, there's that's a, so good. There's a lot of background details, like when the house gets taken to another dimension, the TP that, you know, the toilet paper that had been TP'd all over the house, like, stays, so it all kind of, like goes to the ground like streamers there's also when morty throws the drugs outside one of the giant aliens grabs it and then you can see it cavorting uh, in a drug-fueled craze in the background for the next several scenes i i love it i i love it um i also really liked yeah the whole i mean this has happened a couple times this season already where you know rick has you thinking that he's doing something altruistic like uh you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) and abra dolph linkler uh, has this heroic death to get the party back to Earth, and it turns out, no, nah, it's just Rick could have taken us back at any time. He just wanted the Kalax. Yeah, so Avery Dolph Linkler is interesting. I I think it's a funny concept for a character. Mm-hmm. I was reading around on the wiki, and I found out that Avery Dolph Linkler is not an original uh, Rick and Morty creation. Seriously? It was actually conceived of in Cheers, Season two, episode seventeen in nineteen eighty three. Classic Cheers did it. You can't do anything because <laughs> right. Cheers did it all. Your, yeah, your the high Simpsons concepts, and Cheers. Forget it. Sci-fi rigmarole's not safe from Cheers. They'll jack your shit. I just thought that was crazy though that that this exact concept was you know written into a script. And I don't know if that bled over. Like it's got to oh, be. They had some... seen it when they were kids. And they... yeah, I wonder. Yeah, because like I thought, and the uh, commentaries, if we can. You know, peer through BM seventy seven a little early. Um, made it pretty clear that it was a send up of. Uh, I forget what the. There's a G- classic GI Joe plot where Cobra was as an organization was stealing the DNA from various like they were going to Napoleon's grave and Genghis Khan like up in the Himalayas and they're stealing all this genetic material from these dead. 
military commanders uh, and and combining it to make a perfect supreme human being. I think it's called Serpento wow. or something like that. Uh, uh, so I, I I just assumed it was one of those things. Like you're trying to genetically engineer an ideal political ruler. So you, of mm-hmm. course you just take some and that's the other thing is like that's rick's approach like you just literally take yeah i guess i you know a a well yeah one of the american presidents that everyone feels pretty good about if if you mm-hmm. if you know yeah. and then you take one of the history's greatest monsters and it's plus and minus and out. yeah he, it balances he tried that it out. in uh rick potion number nine too right with yeah. the cronenbergs and it didn't fucking work well there. you know uh, science is more of an art than a science a lot of people don't it's appreciate true. that jim <laughs> That's why they call it science. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, there's also further, you know, we've talked about a lot about Wubba Lubba Dub Dub. We sure have. And I love the recontextualization here that this is actually some kind of bird person curse uh, uh-huh. that says, I am in great pain. Help me. Um, and that also says something interesting about Morty that you're watching him fran- like the punishment for Rick destroying the house would be he never is allowed to go on Rick's adventures anymore and Morty is all about preventing that mm-hmm. and then like when he is caught like at first you think well maybe it's subconscious he's just you know because that happens a lot people get in self-destructive patterns uh, and if they get a chance to escape it they resume the self-destructive patterns because you know we're creatures of habit and it feels com- sometimes you know routine is comfortable even when it's what's hideous Mm-hmm. Um, but then when Bird Person kind of calls him on it and says, "This is what you're doing," he doubles down and he wakes up Rick and he saves the they saves the day so we can keep doing the adventures. It tells us that you know, and all us trying to like place bets about whether Rick loves his grandkids and his <laughs> child. There's also kind of like, how does Morty feel about his grandpa? And he, I, 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 what's the appeal there? I, I don't know. I don't know. More Morty is is interesting. I I constantly question whether Morty is aware enough to even understand what you know rick's manipulation means um and he's 14 so probably not like right and they they say he's you know uh developmentally challenged a little bit so like how how much of the world around him does morty understand i i can't imagine like even when it's pointed out to him that morty fully understands what bird person is talking about here mm-hmm. yeah I also wonder if, like, he's so insecure that, like, he is able to impress Jessica for, like, a briefest instant with some kind of crazy thing that his grandpa's invented. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's so insecure that he thinks that the, he has nothing to offer to the world, but when he does these things with Rick, you know, it's special, and he does things that no one else is able to do, and, like, that bit of reflected glory makes him feel special, and he can see, it's like, oh, maybe not now, but a year or two of adventure with the grandpa... You know, maybe I'll get a cool facial scar and an eye patch and Jessica will love me because I'll have a lightsaber or some shit. Right. Yeah. I mean, it could be as simple as that. I, I, I'm pretty sure I had that exact fantasy as a 14 year old. I didn't have a crazy grandpa Rick to possibly fulfill it. But like, you know, <laughs> right. Man, if I had an adamantium skeleton and claws, then girls would like me. Uh, and, and there's also stuff in this episode that, you know, shows the other side of that coin. Um, Rick, Summer and Morty enjoying each other's company for like six months in frozen time world uh i'm i i guess hmm what does that say about jerry and beth's effect on the family i guess i mean yeah you you kind of combine this with the rick potion number nine where like beth jerry and summer are happy Mm -hmm. 
you wonder and now it's like well maybe it's it's rick that's corrupting influence but you get the parents out of the house and now it's like almost there's this uh rock paper scissors lizard spock situation where like they all make each other miserable but if you can split any triumphant from that party then they can make mm-hmm. a go of it it yeah. it'd be an interesting thesis to see if throughout the rest of rick and morty if you ever see some of these other pairings like you know if if, if can rick jerry and morty be happy oh boy we i mean we that sort of be... saw that in the simulation one right a little right. bit and... i mean but even, even then jerry's kind of off doing his own thing um yeah. i think that's probably like i think rick beth and summer that sounds like a party on wheels mm-hmm. uh you know it's 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 getting morty and jerry together because they both kind of have that kind of eeyore sad sack personality <laughs> uh and there's nothing to really balance them out so uh yeah. That would be that would be a challenging that'd be a challenging pairing. I always feel like it's a challenge when Rick and Jerry are in a group because mm. they both clearly hate each other. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's just a big feedback loop that I don't know how you get out of that. Yeah. Whereas that, I think, yeah, I think that uh, Rick doesn't really hate anybody else in the Smith family. No, I don't think so. He might have trouble. They might annoy the shit out of him and be a stinging fissure in his ass, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't it doesn't hate him. Uh, what do you think of the alien gangbang stinger? <laughs> This I mean, is one of the bigger like what the fuck ones for me. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah but, but I like it. Like Linkler heroically survives and vows vengeance, but then he's just going to be passed eternally from one yeah. or- alien orifice to the other until the until the crystals wear off or they get tired or <laughs> were they all? Whatever. I would, didn't even notice were they their their eyes all blue tinted. Uh, you know, I didn't notice either. <laughs> that uh, would be hilarious if it was also a drug fueled. It would, yeah, like Wolf of Wall Street intergalactic party. If you got a whole planet full of crystals, you know. I mean, yeah, one of those aliens ha- had to stuff it someplace dissolvable during an orgy. Oh, hell sure. yeah. Oh, sure. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints... Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, (laughs) now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. 
It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. All right, Jim, are you ready to go plot to the future? I am. Where we open up the portal to Dimension BM77 to access behind-the-scenes details trivia and spoilers for future episodes this actually has quite a bit of important continuity uh for later episodes it introduces the character of tammy which is the love of birdman who eventually inv- gets in and in, involved in some intergalactic wedding where it's revealed that she's actually a federation mole that is there to uh, collect all of rick's criminal fa- uh, friends hmm. you know squanchy's part of that episode too he can turn into a vicious monster Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I believe at the end of this this final third season, Birdman has been rebuilt by Tammy into or Bird Person rather has been mm-hmm. rebuilt into Tammy is like uh, what was it Mecha or Mecha Birdman or something like that? It's been too long. I, I don't remember know. she was pissed that it wasn't Phoenix or something. But uh. there is uh yeah there's there's a quite a there, there, this is um this is like Rick's buddies these are rick's like old school diehard friends they are all and are implied to be wanted intergalactic criminals in their own right but there's also kind of hint that especially with bird person there's some kind of nobility there or there's some kind of like maybe a freedom fighting aspect uh to to the stuff but like that this is kind of the episode that starts off uh all of that that particular eck mm-hmm. or pff, that particular those particular plots i don't know why i said eck what the hell yeah. got cross-referenced in my memory I mean, that's banks. the Zorpian word for yes. shit. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's actually shot. We need to... Is there anything above MA for podcast? Because I think <laughs> Ek is the N-word crossed with the C-word. <laughs> Raised, Raised by, by all the bad, bad words for Jews. Jews. That is one of the more uh, colorful colorful descriptions of like an unspeakably bad... Hell yeah. That's a, that's <laughs> such a great description. I thought, At uh, least yeah. you didn't say glip glops. Yeah, right. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's, uh, oof, that's that. half the galaxy. That's a hate crime. Um, I thought it was interesting when Dan and the director and Justin were talking about, um, you know, like this Titanic thing. And they mentioned that, like, they kind of see send-ups of real-life pop culture-type events as off-limits. Um, not because they're above it or anything, but in their mind, like, South Park does that kind of, like, immediate reaction to something weird in a popular culture better than anyone, and you don't even want to try to go up. What do you? How do you feel about that? But I, I, don't, I just don't understand how it's quite different from doing something that's 20 years old. Like, mm. you're just late to the party, but you're still doing it. 
Yeah, I, I wonder if it's more. Yeah, that's what I. It's like because clearly it's not a hard and fast rule because they do it. You know, they do it's it like, all the time. Like, maybe it, it's useful as an axiom to like in the writers' room. Like, are we really going to be? Are we really going to try to out South Park? South Park? South Park? Which? Yeah. If that's that's a that's a gauntlet that could be picked up in the writers' room and like fuck yeah, we're going to out South Park. South Park, but it's also a warning. Yeah, I, I, it's hilarious to me because Dan seems to experience such shame. In regard to like spoofing pop culture references and in regard to like developing whole plot lines that are based on these other things. And yet it seems like everything he does, does that like he he's sort of got this dichotomy where he both dislikes that doing that and also does it in all of his work Yeah, to, to I, some degree. I, I think that's interesting too. And I, I, I kind of, can sympathize with him because I've always devalued the things I'm both really good at and are easy for me. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, well, that's stupid. Obviously anyone could do it because I'm a fucking moron and I can shit these out with regularity instead of being like, Oh, that's a, that's actually a unique talent that delights a lot of people. Uh, it shouldn't be, but I don't know. Cause some of that, um, it's, it's not a healthy way to live. I wouldn't say, but it also, tends to produce superior content because you're you're just constantly filtering anything that's not like if anything if any idea makes it through that like gauntlet of shame it's probably a really fucking solid idea and also like having people around you who are who clearly love it right Right. everybody else involved in this project was like no hell yeah we love the titanic thing like yeah it's like well if i you know i respect all these people and they think it's a good idea then but yeah it's it's i can see how like it's it's probably it's it's probably a little bit of shame of like you know uh, if it's something I'm good at and that I, it comes to me easy, it must be low quality. And also just like, oh, man, yeah. you just lean into that and do it over and over and over again. Like, at what point do you become a hack? Like, I mean, that's probably I mean, that's the thing. That's the hell that every creative is in. Right. It's like, yeah, every yeah. musician is just like they're one album away from being hack sellouts. And it's like I we're just still making the music that we like. But now that mm-hmm. is not popular. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's almost like if you don't challenge yourself yeah. to do something different or something better, then yeah, you will fall into that trap. I mean, look at like you know, look at Hollywood, look at the entertainment culture. It's like clearly, there's nothing that's necessarily pushing for the best in quality. Like the, the sure. it's all t- their people are all too happy with shitting out inferior content and, and making money or not. So and this definitely doesn't feel inferior. Like even when they're doing these cultural references as be b plots for their episode Mm -hmm. it feels like they put a lot of effort into you know exactly how they're going to play out Mm -hmm. uh how they're going to you know twist it up to make it not just a titanic uh with beth and jerry because it could have been easily like you know jerry relives all of the titanic and there's it's just funny to see that happen it's like it turns into like a really bad 12 45 a.m saturday night live skit it's Uh like you know barely made the dress rehearsal cut um, I thought it was also interesting their discussion about the Rick dance because this is another one where apparently people did not get that this is deeply ironic take on all the stupid like this because it you know they 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 mentioned the commentaries uh, uh, Family Matters Steve Urkel yeah. uh, Bartman had the Bart dance like it's almost like hey what lazy thing can we do to cash in on some kind of peak popularity uh you got the catchphrases you got the stupid t-shirts you got the dance Mm -hmm. but it's like are you familiar with pose law sure yeah yeah essentially you know when you lampoon something hard enough sort of wraps back around and becomes 
the thing that you are trying to lampoon. Yeah, or it's indistinguishable. Like, indistinguishable, like yeah. Like a, a parody of, like for example, fascism, if it's done really well, can also be unironically enjoyed by fascists. It's very hard to do. Right. Um, I, I just watched like an hour-long video talking about um, the producers and like how... Like it's amazing how well that works because it it, hmm. it it cited a lot of examples of like pop like like fascism and popular culture like American History X. American History X is not a sympathetic portrayal of white nationalists, but white sure. nationalists fucking love American History X. Uh, same thing with like uh, yeah. uh, what's the, uh, the the Tyler Durden Fight Club Fight Club right? Like that's like if a, if a, a reasonable person without any kind of preconcept watched that film, it's like that worldview is being put on trial yet there's tons of edgy dudes that unironically think it's the greatest thing so right you know if you do a send-up of the stupid dance crazes and you do it well enough then people are not going to be able to tell that you're being ironic and uh and that's clearly happened i mean people yeah. fans of the show go around saying well of dubbed up to everything and i don't like, think the rick thank god the rick dance didn't you know they didn't make uh yeah because I, that's the thing if they'd made like a music video released on an mtv then then <laughs> you just you you fell you fell down the pose law valley and rolled up the other side of it so yeah they did that with perfect strangers i don't know if you've seen balky rapping I, I oh, I've, it's fucking I, terrible. I, I know there's a Diddy in the the Bibby Bobka episode, but now this goes to a, an entirely different level. <laughs> oh God, who are? Uh, I wonder if there is like some musician that offended a, an ABC executive back in the '80s, and he's chained to some desk, doomed to write all <laughs> of the arrangements and lyrics for these uh-huh. shitty things for their, you know, thank God it's Friday lineup. Uh, one other note is, and I think they're pretty faithful from this, from, uh, from this point forward, the driveway is going to be permanently fucked up. Like, there will always be that crack where the house got dislocated in time and space. Yeah, that's crazy, because they fixed everything else uh-huh. so thoroughly, but yeah. they couldn't get this crack out of the driveway. I mean, driveway's cracked, but yeah, I, I do like that little bit of uh, mm-hmm. you know permanent continuity, and I wonder if they'll ever be like you know jerry fixes it like i don't know how this uh, driveway got cracked but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna see to it maybe we could go into the crack maybe mm. there could be like a whole world underneath the house that like the testicle monsters came back and they've been just sort of under there doing their thing sure sure if you if you pass sounds like crack. what a hack writer would write yeah right in 20 seconds in off 20 the seconds cuff. of thought of it yeah <laughs> let's just let's just start just send it the animation yeah uh it, yeah although the now that you said it, it is like rick could fix this with some kind of like oh yeah concrete demeculizer gun <laughs> right so i mean you know that six months to fuck around mm-hmm. just 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 bad craftsmanship as rick would say Pickle Me This is distributed by Bald Move in association with Starburns Audio. It's produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch from Starburns and myself, Maneron, from Bald Move. All music featured on this podcast is from the Rick and Morty soundtrack, available from Sub Pop Records. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To discover the many other great shows we do, please check out baldmove.com and starburns.audio. If you appreciate what we do and want to directly support us, consider joining our club at club.baldmove.com to get access to exclusive bonus audio and video features. Finally, you can follow us on your favorite social media at Bald Move. See you next time.